Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. We are a Commander Podcasts and Casual 60 Podcast. What am I saying? We're a podcast <laughs> talks about magic at the casual level. Uh, that's what we are. Uh, as you can tell by the, the anxious <laughs> stutter in my voice, we're casual, I swear. Uh, how's, it, how's it going, Bruce? It's going well. How about you? It is going. Gave... Gave notice at my job today. Boom. Uh, moving to L.A. Uh, By the time this podcast is released, will you be in law? Almost definitely. You heard it, folks. If you see me on the streets, give me a wave. You're going you know. to you're gonna have to talk for them to recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see uh, some guy walking down the street going, hello, hello, then hello, you're going to know. It, it might be me. It might be, honestly, somebody else. So today, um, we've been reflecting on, you know, the past couple of years, especially since the pandemic has started. I mean, so much has happened. We started a podcast. We did. Other things have happened. There's been, let's see, uh, all the way since Ikoria, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's been, what, eight or nine sets at least? Uh, I did the count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine sets, if you include... Nine cor- standard sets. If you include Corset 2021, yes, nine sets. Uh, and that doesn't even include Modern Horizons 2 or Commander or the recent Commander Legends. Uh, or uh, Unsanctioned un- or... Does not include any of Unsanctioned. The- or, or any of the tertiary, like I mean, we're we're generally counting the the commander decks that come out alongside sets as yeah. the same set. Um, so we we've, we've been we've been hanging out, thinking about all these things, and we're like, you know what? <laughs> we've been buying a lot less product since the beginning of the pandemic than uh, we realized, and uh, we figured we'd we'd look at some cards that either we missed or you think you might have missed um yeah and i mean this will be a this will be a a recurring thing i'm sure oh yes Um, but yeah we had it in our head i mean if uh you know if two guys who are doing a magic podcast are are seeing yes are, are are going through and seeing the sets come by so fast and furious especially during through the pandemic uh, we had a sneaking suspicion that our audience maybe was missing a few missing a few of these cards as well. So yeah. we thought we'd take the opportunity, sort of a uh, cards that COVID forgot or COVID yeah. made us forget. Um, or uh, COVID, I don't want to say COVID staples because that sounds bad, but no. uh, cards, cards that I feel like would fit more of a general... De- more general decks than the niche ones we do with like Temple's Treasures. Right. Um, and I think, uh, in general, I mean, like, even so much as, like, sure, you may be one of our listeners that does keep up on on sets from set to set. And, like, oh, like, I look at all the previews and all these things. But, like, you're, you're either going to be the type to not do that and miss cards, or you're currently overwhelmed with the amount of cards that we've had since Ikoria, which has been about, I don't know, three and a half thousand 
uh, I think it's been like 3,500 first printings of cards since Ikoria came out. Right. So, by the way, crazy. And Andy, in case you were wondering, uh, you, you said you said COVID staples. So I immediately, you know, search for any any magic card with the word mask in it because you know I'm going for the low hanging fruit laugh. Uh, mm-hmm. Turns out most masks in Magic don't cover your mouth. They cover like the top half of your face, like Batman. Or, like with Estrid, they float about six inches away from your face. Well, there's that. There's that. Let's just say the mask of Grizzlebrand is not going to protect you from airborne from any sort of airborne disease. I don't know. You, it gives you flying. You can fly away. I'll, I'll start things off. Uh, I've talked about this card a handful of times. Real I, quick. I, I don't think as... Andy, before we get too far in, we should mention that what... Uh, so for today's episode, we're going to cover cards from Ikoria proper and from Commander 20. Uh, or right. Commander the, 2020, the... which is the Ikoria, essentially the Ikoria yeah. Commanders. So I didn't think we'd covered that yeah. early on, so... Which I think for Aquaria there were what four I think. I believe no, there must have been five. Were there five? I feel like there had to have been five, if only because it was three color decks. Then it would make sense there would be five. But I don't know. I can't, um, I can't these remember. these commander decks, for those uh, slightly aware, are the ones that gave us the uh, the free <laughs> spells. Um, like deflecting SWAT and whatever the blue one is, um, where it's like, oh, if you have your commander, you don't have to pay for this. <laughs> cool. Uh, anyway, so five. Okay, there are five. Great. Um, Akoria brought a lot of things uh, to Magic, and unfortunately, came at the worst possible time. Uh, as we all started to be less together, especially in game stores, <laughs> yeah. uh, which made it fairly difficult uh, to get a grasp on two things. One, ability counters, which I think picked up pretty quickly. Uh, and two, mutate, which uh, I wish didn't have this pandemic thing going on because I think it's a really cool mechanic and I don't know if they're going to revisit it anytime soon yeah and i mean as somebody who has a deck who has a a silver border deck that involves mashing two creatures together uh i Mm. gotta think this was kind of the set for me and yeah i really didn't jump on the bandwagon the way i would have had i not been you know stuck at home by myself uh, with no actual way to play magic other than using zoom which was something that was still brand new to me at the time. And, uh, yeah. Still uh, less preferred than in person. But, yeah. um, So, I guess, with all that said, let's get into the cards. First one I've got, I've talked about probably a handful of times. I wish I talked about it more. Uh, Luminous Brood Moth. Um, It's two white white for a 3-4 flying insect. Whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. Um, yeah, so essentially it, like it, it revives your creatures instantly if they don't 
fly uh, and comes back, gives it a flying counter. If you have a way to remove that flying counter, when it dies again, it'll come back with a flying counter. I love this card. Uh, does not generally give itself that recursion, uh, but if you know you give it Colossus Hammer, it loses flying, and then it will. <laughs> it will bring itself back to yes, life. That's uh, the hard way. Yeah. What I like mostly, or what I like most about this is that uh, not only are you getting your creature back instantly, so it's like you know harder for your opponent to get rid of things fully uh it comes back flying so now it has evasion uh which is fantastic because who we need more flying all the time uh especially if these creatures didn't have flying to begin with you get etb triggers you get leaves the battlefield triggers you get sir conrad triggers of it going into the graveyard and then out of the graveyard uh it's great it is great um couple of uh of interesting things with the brood moth. Um, speaking of merged creatures, uh, if a merged creature dies and it doesn't have flying, um, then both parts of them, well, all the parts of the merged creature return to the battlefield and they each get a flying counter. Whoa. Yeah. So you may not get your 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 massive behemoth merged massive creature, but uh, you will get several creatures that all have flying counters on them. Um, I like this also even just just for the recursion alone and mm. I realize that this is a one-time recursion but you're you are really you can really set it up to be uh, you know for for there to be just a mass removal spell and all your stuff comes back with flying yes yeah you'll lose the brood moth but right I mean that's the great thing about this card is that like if like faced a board wipe the like you get everything that doesn't fly back yeah and unfortunately not the moth but like it is protection to an extent right but and it all this stuff comes back with flying so yeah it's not even a case of oh everything it, it, you're getting it back and a lot of times what happens when you get you know when you use mass removal is you're recovering at the same rate as all of your opponents Mm -hmm. So you're not really getting anywhere. You're pulling yourself out of an ugly situation and then you're hoping that you'll get parity from there on in. Whereas this one, you get to keep all your stuff. So you're going to get a, a good swing in. But then you're probably going to get a second good swing because all of your stuff is flying. Also, unfortunately, this is a non-bow with uh, Audric. Uh, I mean, it gives your th things flying, but if you have both on the battlefield during combat if everything dies then like well they all have flying when they die so whoops right uh but that's just a quirky little interaction right all right what's your first card well if we're gonna if you're going to give us the luminous brood moth luminous brood moth then the least i can do is follow up with a card that can work with the luminous brood moth um, I'm going to go with the Ozolith right off the bat. Ooh. So the Ozolith is a legendary artifact and it only costs one mana. Uh, right on. You're almost at the point now without me saying anything about the card that this is going to be worth it in your deck. Uh, just as a one mana artifact that does nothing. <laughs> mm. However, 
Um, the Ozolith, it says, whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. So if you've got the, if the Broodmoth is out there giving, giving flying tokens to creatures, if one of those creatures with a flying token on it dies, that token gets moved onto the Ozolith, which you can then gift onto another creature. And it doesn't even have to be yours, it can be somebody else's. Now, I talked about flying token because just because of the Broodmoth. Practically speaking, uh, this is going to be all about the plus and plus one counters. Uh, those, yeah. are, those are the most obvious, the primary ones. And it's just, they're going to be... They're coming in. They're going to be coming in fast and furious because that's the kind of deck you're going to be running. Yeah. Um. It's it's definitely an interesting card. Um. And I wish that like as as glad as I am that it has legendary. Um. I mean, not that I think you can really do many broken things with it. Um. Uh. In in regards to having multiple, but. Because it is a legendary, plane-specific artifact, uh, it's going to be a while before we get another printing of it, which is a shame. Uh, unless it comes out in, you know, any master set or something. But uh, <coughs> uh, it, it really needs that reprint. Uh, yeah. Because I love this card to death, and I wish I could put it in four or five of my decks, but it's $18. Yeah. Oh, this one is at the not, least. Yeah, this one is not cheap. Now, Andy, I know you have it in one of your decks, right? Yeah, I only have one of them. All right. So, how has it played for you? Depends if okay. my opponents have answers. Sure. Uh, if they don't have an answer for it, it goes beautifully. It either uh, incentivizes them to f try to find artifact removal, or it disincentivizes them to kill my things because they know that I'm just going to be moving those counters around. Right. Um, when this card first came out, mm -hmm. I love myself a plus one plus one counter and could picture it in at least a couple of decks. So I immediately went out and got four of them. So now they're in a series of decks. And like you say, a lot of times, nothing really happens because, the you know, if you have that creature that has six plus one plus one counters on it, your opponents are trying to find other ways to get rid of it rather than mm -hmm. just simply killing it and knowing that those six counters are immediately going to be going on to another creature as soon as I can do it. Right. Um, but there are other times when this thing has has just worked out very well for me. Um, yeah. If I've Especially got with, like, the Akoria ability counters. Like, this isn't just yeah. plus one counters, which is great. Um, obviously, with Broodmoth, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, but because generally you're going to get, like, six flying counters on it, and then you put them all on one creature, which is yeah. whatever. Uh, but, like, there are, cre there are things that care about how many counters in general you have. Um, but, I mean, obviously this is more for your plus one plus one counters because yeah <laughs> there are gonna be so many of them right oh i can just imagine what this is like in in buzzbark oh hi frankie yes well this is in buzzbark um i have yet to have a spot where 
we hit mass removal, and uh, and then we uh, uh, made up all the tokens, are, and all the tokens came up. Hey, Frankie, you mentioned you mentioned the idea that there, you know, uh, something that you really do need to keep in mind that it is on target creature, and it is all mm. of the tokens. So you can't just pick some counters, yeah, or all of the counters. So you can't just pick some. You have to pick. They they all go on to the one creature, so it's not perfect in every way. Um, and I yeah. will say, uh, it is kind of a shame that it's legendary. Uh, I did have a sixty card deck in mind, which was going to essentially be have a creature that one of the artifact creatures that is relatively cheap and comes in with a couple of plus one plus one counters. Oh yeah. And if you you know sacrifice it, well then those two counters go on the Ozolith. But if the Ozolith wasn't legendary, I could have two copies of it out at once, and then they would each get two copies of plus one plus one counters. And then when it comes back out, it has two co- two plus one plus one counters because I'm recurring it. And then I would take those four counters and add it onto the creature. Then I've yeah, got six, or even and then sack it again, and things get really stupid after that. But yeah, I mean, even with like any persist, you know. Oh yeah. Um, they come back on their own because they'll have the plus ones on them uh, instead of minus ones, and then they come back. You wait until combat. You put them all on that creature, and then you can sack it at will. Um, that's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, speaking of artifact removal, uh, my next card's Gem Razor for three and a green four four beast. Uh, it has mutate for green green one. Uh, it says if you cast the spell for its mutate cost. Put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into the creature on top, uh, plus all abilities from under it. Uh, it natively has reach and trample, and whenever this creature mutates, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. So the way I see this is that it is generally going to be a better thrashing brontodon so thrashing brontodon is a very similar creature i think it's a two three instead Mm -hmm. uh for one green green uh and then for one and sack it you can destroy target artifact or enchantment um this uh comes in probably as a four four uh unless you put it underneath other creature right you know you can put it underneath say i don't know a six six so then it's a six six with reach and trample and then because you mutated it, uh, it destroys the thing you need to destroy. Right. Uh, which is fantastic. Um, it destroys the And Oslo. on top of it, it still has reach and trample. Right. Uh, which is exactly... It's, it's so good. Um, giving anything trample, really good. Giving anything reach, really good. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that, you know, comparatively to Thrashing Brontodon... Uh, it has very little downside. The only downside it really has is the fact that you have to mutate it onto a non-human. Right. Uh, and that's just mutate. And, yeah. And there are a lot of cards out there that, I mean, there have been plenty of times that I look at a card, I'm like, wow, I'm surprised this does not have the human subtype. Uh, yeah. As simple as that. <laughs> uh, right. It looks like a human, but it's not definitely a human uh right and i think that uh i like this and even if you're only getting a chance to you know even if you only mutate the creature that one time and you're only getting the 
the ability to destroy an artifact or enchantment once. Um, I, mm. I still think that this is a uh, I still think this is a cool card and a great uh, you know a great way to go. Yeah, and for twenty cents, it's worth it. Like it's just so <laughs> like yeah. it's a four four for four that has reach and trample at worst. Right. Um, and honestly, a cool thing about it, and I don't know where this would come in handy, I guess, except unless somebody steals something of yours, this says mutate it onto a creature you own. So if somebody steals a creature of yours, you can still mutate onto it. Right. I don't know where that would come in handy, but it could be helpful. Yeah. Uh, if it's like the only target. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, I should also mention, uh, Anguirus, Armored Killer, is also Gem Razor. Mm, As part of, yes. It's one of the alternate arts that had, uh, when they had the famous... The, yeah. And then, same with Broodmoth, is Mothra Supersonic Ah, Queen. perfect. So. Uh, the, the Godzilla yeah. alts. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um... I think we got time for one more before break. All right. So instead of one more, I'm going to squeeze five more. Well, I'm going to squeeze a whole bunch more in because I'm going to do a, a series. Uh, the what the heck, Bruce? Aha! The Triomes. Um, for those who aren't, aren't aware, the Triomes are essentially, they're a land that have three, uh, three of the basic land types on the cards. So if you are searching mm -hmm. for a forest, you can find, say, for example, the Ketria Triome. Because forest is one of the land types that are listed there. Um, so it, it has three different basic land types. It taps for, obviously, for those three. It taps for one of those three colors. Um, yeah. And it, uh, it also has cycling three. So you can discard the card. Or you pay three mana, discard the card, and draw a card. Um, so if you are getting close to the end of the game... Um, right. You can cycle it away and dig a little deeper. Um, the the only real downside to the card is that they come into the battlefield tapped. So, right. Which I mean is I feel like made up for with the cycling. I mean, yeah. You know, it, it really shows you how to use it because if you know toward the end of the game, you don't need a land that comes in tapped. Uh, you'd cycle it away for three. Hopefully, get a card that you can use. Uh, a little faster than the land that you can use next turn. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, you know, these cards are are sick as hell. Uh, and uh, it's... it's it's I, I love the alt art, and I wish that, like, we could get similar alt art for the five from right. New Capenna. Yeah. But, I mean, I get it. I get that they're drastically different on right. drastically different planes um now for those of you who are using the oh what were they called there was a prior set of lands that also tapped for one of three colors um however they required you to return a leather land to your hand a no, oh, they're the layer lands they required you to return a non-layer to back to your hand and you weren't tapping for two mana so you were just getting shorted on a, on, on a, hmm. a land. Uh, they also didn't have cycling. They also didn't list a basic land type. So while the layers were good in their day, these cards are just significantly better. Um, yeah. You know, 
hey, if you want to run both, go ahead. But if you're looking to run, if you're just running the layers, then you should probably switch and start running the uh, appropriate triome to replace that layer. So yeah, um, these are slightly out of my price range uh, to get playsets of each, but I mean they are definitely worth it. They're fetchable, in the very least. Um, like you were saying, yeah. Um, they're pretty. Um, they are. They what don't is... have easy to remember names, though. No. What is the? Uh, I think the range is somewhere between ten and twenty, isn't it? For these. Uh, I yeah. Could be, I could the, be wrong. The cheapest is I think ten uh, nine dollars for the uh, white, black, green one in Dotha Triome. Okay. Uh, it's like nine forty or something, and the most is the is. Yeah, right now there's uh, yeah, just the uh, for the triumph. I think it's the yeah. There's the just red, the, five. the the teamer one is higher than sixteen dollars. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the it? green, blue, red one, Ketria. Yeah, so. Zagoth, Savai, Raugren, Ketria, and Indatha were the five that were released in the uh, Ikoria set. Um, and yeah, I think they're great cards. Like I say, I know the price tag's a little high, but I'm I'm always uh, big on making sure your yeah. making sure your mana base is uh, is good. These are cards that are going to show up in your decks over and over again. Um yeah, let's let's throw it over to break before Sounds we good. I'm I've got a few cards from C20 that I want to talk about. Yep. Uh, I know you have a couple more you want to talk about. You bet. Uh, so we'll talk about those when we get back. But for now, take some sip of water. We're going to have a, a nice cool refreshing ad break. Uh, and we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of Falsebot is brought to you by The Song of Creation! The Song of Creation! It's there for you when you need to draw cards, but beware, you're gonna discard your hand at the end of turn. Also, be careful not to mill yourself out. I know I have many a time with this card, but for when you're feeling down and you just want to draw some cards, turn to the Song of Creation! And now back to you. Hey, welcome back. Uh, it's the Song of Creation uh, Variety Hour. Uh, we're talking about cards from Aquaria because it's a set that many of us missed, if only because we were stuck at home. Uh, we were talking about cards from the main set, uh, and now we're going to transition a little bit into C20, which was the Ikoria Commander set. Um, Commander 2020, great set. Five decks, very cool. Uh, had some, some cards that I feel like belong in not only more decks, but... Uh, Honestly, I feel like we're going to come back around on as possible, as they call staples. Um, so, we're talking during break, and uh, <clears throat> we, ha we had one last one from the Ikoria main set. Uh, Bruce, uh, you brought to the table a reconnaissance mission. Um, right. Uh, an enchantment. It's uh, two and uh, two and blue-blue. Uh, and it says, uh, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. Uh, it also has cycling two, so 
if you're looking to just get that card draw immediately, uh, you can always use cycling too. Um, this is another one of these cards. Like I, I mean, take your pick. It goes. It just fits. Yeah, you're gonna draw a card, right? Uh, it's either coastal piracy or you draw a card for two, because uh, it you don't have the thing you need, right? Uh, I like that with the lands you cycle toward the end of the game. With this, you're gonna probably cycle toward the beginning of the game, if only because you're like, ah, I need, I don't have the mana yet, type of thing. Right. I. The only downside to me for this card is that it costs two blue, and blue is the the color that's least likely to run creatures. However, mm. uh, if you're running a blue deck that doesn't have a lot of creatures, then you're not running reconnaissance mission. If you're running a blue deck that happens to be working. I don't know with white and is loaded down with small bird loaded down with small birds or is working with well every other color you're yeah. going to get I mean, a lot of creatures and those creatures are eventually going to do damage whether yeah. they've got some kind of evasion I mean it shows on the on the picture this is a flying creature like that gives you a very clear hint of like hey this works well with flyers and then obviously you've got things uh that work well around that even in blue i mean honestly uh like you said blue doesn't isn't huge on creatures but this set was for multicolored decks um right even if it's just two two colors yeah yeah it just it just makes sense to me i mean why wouldn't you do that so yeah um i find it interesting considering the uh I find it interesting considering the flavor text is by Jarena Kudrow, uh, who heads the human. It's the black, white, red commander deck. Uh, it's human based, uh, and this is yeah. a, a, a blue blue card. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of commanders, uh, my my next card is uh, actually in each of the commander decks for Akoria. Because it's a, a colorless, uh, I guess you could call it a mana rock. I mean, quite literally. Uh, it's three mana for an artifact called Manascape Refractor. Uh, Manascape Refractor enters the battlefield tapped. Oh, that's unfortunate. But it also has all activated abilities of all lands on the battlefield. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color pay the activation costs on Manascape Refractor's abilities. So, in the very least, it is just another one of your lands. Well, I mean... And at... Yeah, worst case is that it's a three, right. it's a three mana mana rock that comes into play tapped. That, right. That's kind of Best brutal. case scenario, uh, it's a Gaia's Cradle, it's a Maze of If, right. it's a Commander Beacon, it's uh, You know, there's so many lands out there that you want to have the abilities of that maybe your deck's not playing that color or um i mean you've got things like alchemist refuge or uh what's the green red one that gives things trample uh keswick wolf run thank you um uh, yeah yeah you strip mine maze of if uh you can yeah. go old school like you said gaius gaius cradle um any I'm, of the lands that flip to be you yeah. know that, that turn it, or any of the cards that flip that become lands. This is getting yeah. all of those activated abilities. It, 
This I'm sure that because this is an artifact, there are too many ways to break it. But it's just a fun little three mana mana rock that if like you have a playgroup anything like ours, I think it, it definitely is worth the fifty cents. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, if your if your playgroup is a lot more cutthroat, is you know, is looking at turn five, t- turn five, turn six kills. This isn't going to do a lot because it's going to come in on turn two or three, depending on how well you've ramped um, at the earliest. And it's going to come into play tapped. So you're not going to get to use it until turn three or four at best. And then you're going to get one, maybe two activations out of it. And that's just not enough if you're looking for it to tap for mana. Um, But to be fair, most of the time, I'm not looking... I don't think this is the kind of card that you're looking for and saying, oh, good, now I can tap for any color I need. I, I mean, yeah, yes, that's there. But, uh, I mean, with our group, um, there are plenty of people playing all kinds of lands that do all kinds of things. And I'm probably the worst culprit of the bunch. Um, but I would hazard a guess and say that most groups have that sort of thing at their table. Um, I can really see Manascape Refactor being an all-star in, well, not so much Gaunty, but in a lot of the decks where you're, where you're stealing other people's cards um, because you're getting mana of any color. Uh, yeah. So you can use it to activate that way. Um, and I think that's a, that's a significant benefit. Um, and yeah, obviously, I think if you're looking at it just for mana purposes then yeah, the more colors you've got in your commander, the better this card's going to be. It's so. it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Um, your next one. My next one? Netherborn Altar. This love is that a, card. This is a black artifact. Costs one and a black. Uh, its ability, you tap and put a soul counter on Netherborn Altar, which means that the soul counter is part of the activation cost. So even if nothing, even if the rest of it is stuffed, you're still adding the the soul born, the soul counter to the card. So um, put the soul counter on Netherborn Altar, uh, and then for that you get put your commander into your hand from the command zone. Then you lose three life for each soul counter on Netherborn Altar. So what the altar is is an alter an alternate way to pay the commander tax. Um, so instead of having to pay two more mana, you're going to pay three life each time you would have paid two more mana. Yeah. Um, And honestly, like, if you want, you can do this the first time you play your commander. I don't know why you would. Um, But... I can see this working really well in any sort of a deck that's looking to have you sacrifice your commander early. Mm. There are a lot of of the newer, uh, smaller commanders where you can see somebody... Where you can see yourself using it, uh, well, I mean, th- this would go wonderfully in, say, a squee or something like that. Um, well, not squeeze so much, um, but anyways, <laughs> in a bunch of the smaller commanders where you're looking to sacrifice them on a regular basis, because the first time around, sure, you pay two extra mana, you can put it back out. The next time around, you pay three life and you bring it back and you put it in your hand, and then you pay the regular cost. The next time around. You tap the the altar again. This time you're paying six life to get it out. It's right. People forget that when you take a cost, 
that that is mana and remove the mana and replace it with life it it skews everything i mean you're only paying three life out of 40 here and this is for what is arguably the linchpin in your deck and you're saving at least two you're saving two mana say and you're getting more and more creatures and artifacts and whatnot in black that have lifelink so i mean it's fairly easy to get this three life back without much effort at all right Um, and or especially with any sort of like aristocrat type you know sub theme or even theme like you will be getting that three life easy right and i mentioned the the cheaper creatures but i mean there's a lot of six mana legendary creatures that i won't run because i know that if it dies, I'm probably never going to be able to cast it again. Or never want to, because mm. I'm not going to want to pay eight. Well, the altar says I can do that. I just keep paying yeah. six. I guess I'll have to pay three three life and then maybe six life to do it again. But that's a that's a small cost. That's a small price to pay for uh, you know, for being able to use a commander that costs six and and recast yeah. it more than once. So um yeah, I think that's really some really something you can take advantage of. For sure. Um, I love it. Um, I guess this comes to my last card. Um, it is a green creature. Um, <laughs> it's a 3-3 three, three for three and a green. Uh, human druid with flash and hexproof. It's called Slippery Bog Bonder. Slippery Bog Bonder. When Slippery Bog Bonder enters the battlefield, put a hexproof counter on target creature, then move any number of counters from among creatures you control onto that creature. Um, now, the way this reads to me is obviously protection. It gives the thing hexproof. Um, and it gives the thing hexproof indefinitely. I mean, until it dies. Uh, and obviously, if you have. Uh, the Ozolith out, then great. It'll uh, the hexproof counter will will stick around for a while. Um, but it is also flexible in the way that if you don't necessarily need that, and you have it in hand, you can still flash it out to move your other counters around during combat, before blockers, after blockers, <laughs> um, before the next, uh, before your untap. You know, it's player four's turn. They go to end step, you play this out, you move all your counters onto your biggest creature, and then maybe it has trample, and then maybe you kill people with it. It's great. Um, Ignoring all of the rest of the stuff that is roaring through my brain right now, this is somebody wants to bounce bounce your commander, you pay pay four mana, you put a hexproof token onto your commander, now they can't target it, and they just tried to, Mm. so their spell fizzles. Yeah. And it, you know, and then on top of that, you can get whatever else. Now, if this is a Coria, so maybe you're maybe you're also transferring a flying token, maybe you're transferring a trample token, maybe you're whatever. But if even if you, all you're doing is transferring some plus one plus one counters, this thing is amazing. Uh, and uh, the idea that you could flash it in, you know, that you can flash it in in response to somebody else playing a spell is huge. Um, my first thought when I saw the the Bog Bonder was, wow, this belongs in every Selesnya deck. 
because there are so many white cards that give a plus one plus one counter to all of your creatures in play or something along that lines and this then takes all of those creatures or takes all the counters on all those creatures funnels it onto one creature gives it hexproof and you likely have a way to give it some other kind of evasion so it can just charge through um, I see the Slippery Bog Bonder and Cathar's Crusade as best buddies. Just absolute best buddies. Ooh, yeah. Uh, you know, a crusade passing out a plus one, plus one counter to all the creatures every time another creature comes into play. And then, boom, all of those counters get shifted onto one creature. And that creature also gets a hexproof counter on top of that. Oh, this is... You just suddenly took a deck that goes wide and... You know, gave it that that focus so that one card, that one creature, can just come charging in, and yeah, you know, and then you add the Ozolith to that deck, and suddenly, you know, if that if they do manage to somehow get rid of that one creature, while well, all those tokens are just sitting on the Ozolith waiting for you to play another. So, yeah, I I keep thinking about this card defensively because of course I do. It says yeah. hexproof, but I didn't even think about the. Uh, hi, Frankie. Um, I didn't even think about the uh, the fact that you can do this after your opponent has declared their blockers, and you can move all of the plus one counters onto the unblocked creature. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you amazing. Can, yeah, play it on your con in, in on your combat step. That is, yeah, that's another great way to go. And nobody's expecting you to do that because. They're just thinking the mana is saved for, right? Whatever post combat, yeah, yeah. post combat. Um, the other piece that I think can be easily forgotten here is it says move any number of counters from among mm. creatures you control onto the creature that has the hexproof counter. So you don't have to move them all. This yeah. isn't this isn't an all or nothing scenario like it like it is with the Ozolith. Um, this is you pick and choose. So if you've got a bunch of creatures and for whatever reason you want all your creatures to stay with at least three toughness, you, don't, you can leave some of the counters behind and just shift all the rest of them onto, this one car, onto that one creature. Um, and, you know, and if you do happen to have uh, multiple creatures with flying tokens, you don't have to take all the flying tokens. Just take it <laughs> off of one. Just one to move it over there. And now you've got a creature with hexproof token, a flying token, and a bunch of plus one plus one counters just waiting for the start of your turn so we can fly in and do some serious damage to somebody's face. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm blown away, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, um, this is another card that, uh, you know, it's one of these cards that, again, they don't look like they're doing a lot. You know, a lot of the cards that we've talked about on the podcast today aren't like win the game drop cards. dead super amazing. Oh my god, blow my mind kind of things. But when you play them, you know, when when you actually sit down, have the card in hand, see the opportunity to play it and do it, is when you really discover just like oh my, you know, this is just a, a it's just a really solid solid good card. Um, and, and I think that goes for just about all the cards we've talked about today. I think that they work so well and, uh, you know, and they're not, you know, not particularly splashy. So I think that 
uh, a lot of the sets that came out during the height of the pandemic um, end up having a lot of these cards that get overlooked similarly to uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate if only because like uh, like you know so many people are looking for ah oh, it's I pay six and I get to win the game type cards but these cards are like good at playing the game um, and I think that you know some of the cards that I chose, some of the cards you chose, are going to have these long, this longevity um, past the next couple sets, even the next couple years. Right. And um, it, it, I'm, I'm excited to like kind of sit down and go through these sets one by one, um, or two by two in this case, uh, where we do get to see some of these cards that aren't necessarily like I don't think. Most of these cards are necessarily under the radar, but I do think that, like, when given the opportunity, people are looking elsewhere because they're not thinking of Akoria as, you know, a commander set, or they're not thinking of it being, like, ultra powerful beyond these legendary creatures that got fame out of being right. companions or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. To see what else we, we bring up in the next couple of these types of episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a good one. It's uh, it's very easy when these sets come and go to, you know, to sort of scroll through, look at all the legendary creatures and say, ooh, I want to build around that, that, that. Um, and then it's equally as easy to just let some of these cards slide by. Um, yeah. And, you know... I mean, I didn't, you know, we never even touched on uh, uh, Dire Tactics or Barrier Breach, uh, Migration Path, which is, you know, mm. simply just straight up, strictly better than Explosive Vegetation, which <laughs> I appreciate is maybe not the best way to, to search for your basics, but, uh, I mean, Migration Path is just straight up better. And there's a bunch of these cards in, in all of these sets, so it, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to go back through these you know, back through some of the recent sets that maybe you weren't uh, weren't completely uh, completely dialed in for, uh, and just sort of take a look. Yeah, I think uh, I think that that's gonna do it for us tonight. But we'll be back next week yep. with a cool deck tale um, about uh, a deck that I've been working on. Yes, uh, that I've played a few times. So uh, come back for that. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Oh, that was my stool being knocked over. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again so much for listening. Have a great night. I'm going to go feed my cat, maybe play some magic. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait, before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. 
Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!